You're listening to Seniors Junction podcast. We're eliminating seniors isolation, one conversation at a time. Your hosts today are Namrata Bagaria and myself, Paul Merkley. We are co-founders of Seniors Junction. Our special guests today are Lee St. James and her social robot, Mindy. Welcome. Thank you, nice to see everybody. Thank you for inviting me. Lee, please tell us about yourself, what you do, and your experience in the industry. Sure. Well, I founded Social Robots in November of 2019. And I had, prior to that, I was vice president and general manager of a technology startup in Toronto, Canada. And we were developing robot applications for banking, for automotive, in the sort of greeter um, sort of customer service applications. So I learned a lot about robots. I was uh, sort of in charge of operations, but I oversaw the developers, the design studio and so forth. So um, at the same time, my father had been diagnosed with Lewy body dementia, which is a form of dementia where he still knew who we were, but he was starting to lose certain faculties. He didn't want to talk on the phone. He didn't... Um, uh, he, he was starting to have uh, physical uh, challenges. He used to walk 5K every day, just sort of like just go out and, and about. And, and I never thought I'd see him with a walker and he ended up with a walker. Um, and I just couldn't figure out how to sort of spend enough time with my parents. So they were like on the other side of Toronto and I you know, live an hour and a half this way. So I was commuting three hours a day, 11 year old son. And I just kept thinking, there, robots can help. Like, ro I, I should be able to figure this out. And I just, I was so busy doing the work of, you know, for, um, for the bank and automotive clients that I just couldn't really take the time to, to support my family. So um, I decided to take a bit of a uh, hiatus, uh, sabbatical, shall you say, shall we say? And, um, and so I sort of immersed myself in technology at that point. I had been in technology marketing and communications for most of my career, but not specifically robots until I guess it was 2018 when I started to explore that um, field. So um, <clears throat> where do we go from there? Um, you know, my father um, passed away in October of 2019 and I had been reading and researching and, and sort of spending time working on the business, but I hadn't actually committed myself to the business. And so in November of 2019, I incorporated the company and just kind of went like, okay, clearly this is something that I need to do. And I haven't been able to sort of figure out how to um, turn it into sort of a viable economic business. Um, because COVID interrupted the whole sort of rollout of our pilot testing of the, of the business. So I'll stop there. We can talk some more, but that's sort of a long introduction to who I am and how I came to find this beautiful iPal robot. And I'll tell you more about Mindy. If you'd like, I can turn her on. Do you want me to, I, I specifically left her off to start with because I know that one of the things that people are afraid of is that robots you know, are, are taking over our lives. And it's just like, you actually have to turn off, uh, turn on the robot and you can turn it off anytime you want. Sure, go ahead, turn her on. So thanks Lee for sharing your story. And uh, I think I am, I, I can agree that a lot of co-founders have had their startups in this space because of personal experience. And I can tell about my own too, where I had to see my family member in the, some kind of an isolation for a while. 
So yes, thank you for sharing. It was, it was something that spoke to me. And uh, coming to the robots. So Mindy, you were telling about you could turn on this robot and show us. Can you do that? Yeah. Sorry, Lee, not Mindy. Now I called her Mindy. <laughs> but that's yeah. cool. Right? You get confusing when you have your own social robot. This is so cool. Oh, yeah. wow. At the University of Ottawa, I would say in one of our classes, we had this robot called Now Robo. It's a small robot, right? And even and it does a lot of flips. And we were like we were given like a class to just program that robot in the way we wanted to. So it was that's how I came to know about social robots and the different kinds of social robots. Awesome. So while she gets her batteries turned on. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you've been in this industry from a personal experience and professionally for a while. And where do you see are the main pain points in social isolation? Like, what do you think are the most pressing issues? Well, certainly COVID, COVID has brought social isolation to the forefront. I mean, it was already, you know, a crisis. Um, and now I think it's just been deepened. Um, so we were uh, launching our pilot test at the beginning of March 2020 and were deemed non-essential visitors. And the idea of the business originally was that um, a robot handler would go with Mindy from home to home, sort of one day a week, you'd have a visit with Mindy and then that would help to visit isolate, uh, to, to alleviate isolation. I don't know if you can hear her. Let me just turn up her volume a little bit. Um, yeah, not very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's loud. That's as loud as mine. Very loud now. Good. Uh, the, there are three components that go, I think. Go ahead. Go. The three components would be um, loneliness, boredom, and then the actual physical um, experience of isolation and what that does to your brain. So, you know, the perception of loneliness, you can be lonely in a crowd, right? So my father swore upside down and sideways that he was not lonely at all. He liked to be alone, but he didn't have a lot of interactions with people. So just quantitatively, there weren't a lot of people interacting with him and stimulating his brain and doing things. He would just rather stay in his room and not go, go down to the dining room. So when we finally were able to get them into an assisted living facility, my parent, both of my parents, um, my mom, you know, was okay. She was thriving and able to interact with different people, but my dad just kept staying, staying in the room and not wanting to leave. Um, so that experience of isolation is also, was also compounded by boredom. So, you know, he's up for like 14 hours a day with, you know, he can read, he can, you know, do crosswords or Sudoku puzzles or whatever, but he wouldn't engage with technology. So he wouldn't get on a laptop. He wouldn't get on a tablet or do anything. And so the beauty of the robot is that the robot can actually initiate some of that contact. It's not like you have to say, Alexa, what's the weather today? Or Alexa, tell me a joke. It's just like Mindy can kind of notice, oh, you know, nothing's been happening for a while. Okay, you know, Bill, would you like to, you know, play a math game, you know, or something like that. So um, that's, I think, where the robots are, are a little bit different. And the other thing, honestly, is just that nobody says, can I take a picture of your tablet, right? <laughs> but every have their picture taken with their robot or, or take photos to share with their family members. So it's kind of fun to know that at least for now, this technology in, in its newness yeah. 
it's like it's like the tv of the olden times you would have it like you know in a box and very well preserved and then it became with having pcs at home when we were in school right we would be so proud that our dad gifted us my dad got me um, my own pc uh, in school it was so exciting you know you have that and now this thing because even my mother i think she went to japan and she saw these now they were like robots which are waiters and sorry they take or they are like us in the hospitality industry they welcome the guests so she was like oh my god it just looks like a small child it's so cute like the emotion right you can emote you can't emote to your laptop screen or you can't emote to your you know ipad but paul what do you think you're a humanities professor do you see we actually redefining human race in some ways by having emotions not through the object like we're doing in zoom but to the object right is a very yes we're relating we're relating to these robots aren't we and it's bringing things out in us which is really nice um, we've all been excited by some of the science fiction about them um, yeah, and yeah. here we have it's coming into our our reality we've had we've had movies about robots and they've been very interesting uh, and well, here we are interacting, interacting with robots. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, it, I mean, it's exciting, but it's also a challenge because I think that um, the, there, you know, in the, in the Hollywood genre, movie genre, that you know, whether you're thinking of, I have a 13 year old son now, he's all into you know Iron Man and that sort of stuff. So you know, those robots are pretty scary, you know. Um, and certainly, I've watched a lot of different uh, robot movies, and I think I specifically chose uh, the robot that ha that looks like the robot. So yes, there are you know eyebrows and LED mouth, and I can make her do different mouth um, shapes and things like that. She has a camera in her eye, so she can actually you know take pictures and video, and you can do video calls. But um, it, it, it's clearly a robot. And, you know, some of the robots that are out there, I think, are still creepy, right? So even, you know, Sophie, so, so is it Sophia from Hanson Robotics? And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Austin Dynamics, the dog and stuff like that. Like, it's just, there's some things that, that just kind of, I, I don't know that those, um, even though they're highly engineered and they're, you know, amazing technology, I just don't know that people are ready to adopt them. And maybe that's the different perspective that I bring to this, to this area. So I don't have, I'm not a coder, I don't. I have a robotics background, I have a communications background. And so for me, I see the opportunity for robots to help us communicate, not just with the robot, but with each other, right? So the idea for the adoption of this type of technology is to, that the robot doesn't operate on its own. There is somebody, even if I'm 10 feet away, I can operate the robot with a tablet and you can have an experience of connection but you know it's a robot, you know, or you know, you may think, oh, that's cute, like a grandchild, but right. it's not a grandchild, right? And so, if your grandchild lives, you know, across the country or in another, you know, in another state or province, you can still have a visit with them. Um, and if they're not available at the same time zone, you, it doesn't have to be a live visit, you know. So yeah, we can all do video calls now because of COVID, but sometimes those are stressful, not just for um, the resident, but for the family members, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I, you know, do this thing, it's just like, what if you could record calls or messages, or, you know, I send stuff to my mom, I just put it up on a shared drive, and then the robot can actually download the, you know, or the handler will download the content to the robot and say, oh, you know, 
Pauline, you know, your children, her grandchildren have, you know, messages for you, right? It's like getting mail, right? And how, how we used to look forward to getting, you know, when the mailman would come, right? So, um, so it's kind of like that experience of having, oh, somebody sent me something and then you can send stuff back to them. So that was sort of the initial um, concept of how I thought social robots could be like sort of a family subscription model. But now with COVID, it's really changed the idea of, well, maybe it's really more about dealing with that boredom side. So not so much the family connections, but, but what can you do with a robot? And that's kind of where we've been experimenting in, in our pilot studies this spring. So boredom, loneliness, isolation, and you've partly answered this, but I'd just like to ask again, especially given your communications background, what is your vision of solving these issues? I would love to have robots in every retirement home across North America. And I would love to have the residents who are capable of initiating and causing those visits to be the robot handlers. So whether they're paid or unpaid care providers, um, you know, my mom is very tech savvy, right? She's, I mean, it's taken a while for her to get comfortable. So, but it, as with anything, even the, the young recreation staff, it takes a while to train them of how to use the robot. So my vision is to have, um, you know, widespread acceptance of these robots, but not, 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 not for one-on-one, -on -one. like not everybody needs their own robot. I think it's just a, 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 like an, to augment the staff that are in these facilities and to um, augment the resident support, like to help them to say, oh, you know, well, oh, you know, can we listen to some Frank Sinatra or some, you know, Elvis Presley or whatever, you know? So let's do some things that, yeah, you could do that. You could say, Alexa, play this song or whatever. Or you could actually, she has Alexa on her. So it's basically, a, you know, an Android tablet on, on wheels with, you know, body around her. So anything that you can do on a tablet, pretty much you can do on a robot and then more in terms of motion. So, um, so that's and I'm just going to turn on this tablet so I can actually connect her. Sure. Yeah, in fact, you know, um, so to the listeners, if they don't know my background, I'm a researcher at the University of Ottawa. And uh, while studying my research, which is in physical activity for older adults using technology, and some studies had robots. So basically, you train them in a full exercise regime and then they make you repeat. And then uh, there were studies shows that at least in the beginning, not there's not been long-term studies, but in the short while, people are more excited to exercise with the robot than with the instructor. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> because it's novelty, I'm sure if the robot tells them to exercise every day, they're off, right? But the novelty. <laughs> so, yeah. And I saw a YouTube video also. <laughs> interrupting you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, Mindy? <laughs> How are you? Oh, just a sec. I like to make it with people. I can share photos and play music and games. Yay. So can you play some songs for me? Sure. Um, so there's two ways I can play songs for her. The robot itself was initially designed for children. So it okay. comes with um, 
uh, songs and stories and yes. like row row or your boat or if you're happy and you know clap your hands which is actually a pretty popular one in some of the retirement homes happy birthdays and christmas songs and things like that yeah. so i can see them on the tablet here so the media here that's on the tablet comes here but because i've been experimenting with new um applications um what i've done is i've downloaded amazon music and so right. i anything you want to play on Amazon Music, you can have Mindy play. So well, we have our podcast on Amazon Music and maybe Mindy can play the show. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> so there's, there's a whole podcast menu on Amazon. Um, and then I downloaded playlists. So the, the, one of the challenges in many of the retirement homes is that they don't have strong Wi-Fi. So you can also download, you can have music available offline or off, you know, online, anything you want, yeah. but it's a matter of making sure that you connect to the right uh, song. So yeah, so we've got the best of Johnny Cash, ABBA, 70s country. ABBA, ABBA. ABBA, ABBA. Yeah, ABBA. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't, by the way, Paul, did you know Metal Streep Got, was uh, the honorary uh, graduate in my graduation ceremony at Harvard. She and oh, I that's pretty good. That's a really good. I never got to see her. That's but... really good. <laughs> okay, Abba. Because she was in the movie Mamma Mia, right? All the yeah, yeah. I don't know if you see that they have the, the lyrics that come up yeah. here. Oh, be close to her to see it properly. So one of the enhancements I'd like to be able to do, and it may be possible now, I just haven't figured it out yet, is to be able to increase the font size. Um, I also have another robot on order that actually has a tablet uh, that's about double the size of this one, and that'll, I think, make a big difference. So yeah, so this one is currently borrowed from uh, my distributor in North America called VTrack Robotics. They're wonderful. A team of people there and they are the um, North American distributors for the iPal and, and um, it's, it's, a, it's just it's a it's 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 a wonderful kind of very socially connecting kind of uh, form factors so I'm really excited to have found them. No I second that I mean I personally have uh, my own research interests and we spoke about that a bit uh, uh, yesterday but I have my own personal research interests in social robots and the other thing we were looking at there's power of the seal and those kind of technologies which are available so we've applied to be a reseller when it comes to Canada so that you know because our website has all these options for social isolation and we want to be a one-stop shop for people to have different people different vendors different solutions this is our vision but let's see that's our vision that yeah. we want to help other businesses who do this to come together and help us solve this problem and while we aggregate it <laughs> I also have this little tabletop robot and it's just got a little like on off button and a recorder. I'll just, it's, the microphone isn't as good as this one, but let me just see if it'll play. What's it called, this robot? So it's French, it's hopefully you can figure that out. So, joue avec moi. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I had, I had some students working on a co-op in the fall and we actually took it apart to see you know, how the robots feel, you know, look inside and what are the components and how could we improve the speaker? Because that was one of the things that I find it's, it's kind of hard to um, have the, the words enunciated. And sometimes 
that one thing about Mindy is that I can, she actually has 12 different voices. I can have her speak English, French, or Chinese. Um, and then there's also um, opportunities to change the tone and the, well, obviously the sound, I showed you that. And so, that, you know, just like, but this is like a $5,000 robot compared to $150 robot, right? So it makes yeah. it in terms of how much uh, equipment you're buying. You know, one of the, one of the other things that we're finding is people want to be able to use her hands, but to have a robot with, that has all, you know, that the hands can actually hold certain weights and stuff, that just like dramatically increases the cost of the, of the device. And in fact, if you're familiar with the Pepper, which is sort of probably in North America, one of the best adopted in terms of, you know, a number of the banks have them. Humber River Hospital has one. And I was speaking with the um, innovation director there who's in charge of that. He says the, the one um, tech support that they regularly need for the pepper is to fix the hands because people come up and they kind of crush the fingers. They try to like figure out how to use the hands. And it's just like, that's not what they're, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, now I guess with COVID, we don't shake hands with everybody anymore, but for whatever reason, people seem to want to grab the hands of this robot and they have to keep getting them fixed. So it's an interesting yeah. challenge. Yeah, I think for that, I have like two solutions for you. One is cultural, which is from my original culture, India, because we're namaste with the robots, maybe nobody breaks their hands. So that's one option. But non-cultural is, uh, so my research lab in uh, where I, I'm at University of Ottawa, my, my supervisor, one of my colleagues, his thesis is a robot twin, which is basically making that mechanical arm, haptic feedback, which is touch feedback. So yeah, I hear that a lot from my colleagues, but it's pure engineering stuff, like the SITB applications. If you need an introduction, I'm happy to like, you know, cross-connect you guys. So, so that's that. So given that you have such a big vision, right? Like every, it's like a person, it's almost like what Gates had a personal PC for everybody and you're like, okay, a personal robot for everybody. So what do you think are the challenges and the opportunities? Uh, Paul, are you going to answer, or is that just for? That's me? for you. No, no. For you. No, no, not for Paul. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think a couple of challenges. Obviously, um, when we think of congregate living settings, um, there are, I mean, three basic levels. So you've got retirement homes, um, long-term care facilities. <laughs> And then sort of in between the, the idea of sort of assisted living and support um, opportunities. Um, and we have, um, you know, the for-profit sector and then the, the government run um, operations or nonprofits. Um, <clears throat> so from an, uh, from an impact perspective, there are numerous academic studies out there <clears throat> that clearly indicate that social robots or socially assistive robots can help. Whether we're talking about sort of pets, you know, like the parrot, the seal, the, the dogs, the cats, the whatever, um, that have been around for years and dolls and things like that, to now more humanoid robots, that they're, they're just myriad of tests or academic studies that have proven that, that um, they have a positive impact. Um, so it's not a matter of, I, I, when I first started this, I thought oh, we need to prove that. And then I realized, no, 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 we don't need to prove that. What we need to do is to figure out what's the barrier to adoption. Why aren't you know, more companies thinking this is an important solution? And I think there are a couple of major challenges. So one is, is clearly an economic one. So um, robots 
you know, individual units are not in high demand. So they are expensive per unit right now. Hopefully that cost will come down uh, the more we're able to make them, you know, popular. Um, the first question I get asked by most people is what can they do? So people don't understand um, even how to use them, right? So they, I don't know how long tablets have been around, but you know, since COVID, most of these facilities have invested in tablets. So they have bought tablets. They know that that's a way that they can do these live video calls. Um, but those tablets sit around a lot. They don't, they're not fully utilizing the technology even that they've bought. Um, and so then, I mean, the challenges continue. So, so the generation that are in these assisted living facilities, so let's say people who are 75, 85 and older, didn't, weren't raised on technology. So they don't necessarily see the connection and how it would work. And they'd rather, you know, have an in-person visit or a, or a regular phone call. <laughs> but I think there's an assumption in there, and this is where the opportunity is, is that I think that there's an assumption that they don't want to learn or won't learn. And I think that, that part of the work that I'm doing now is to find ways to spark that curiosity. Um, and certainly, the, the research that I'm doing right now tells me that for the most part, I'd say like, I think the last uh, number I had was 23 out of 25 um, uh, residents. This was just like in a one week period that it was exposed. They were like, oh, can I see her again? Like they were really eager, right? So there's a couple of people who think, oh, that's childish or I'm not interested. And that's fair enough. That That's, you know, it's going to take time. But there is a sort of a lack of exposure. So I'm doing meet and greets and just like, just like a five minute introduction. That's all you need. You don't, I'm not saying this is going to take over. And so that kind of speaks to my last There's a huge resistance, especially in North America around, they're going to take our jobs, right? We took a, a version of this uh, robot to the auto show um, back when I was working at this tech startup. And I had people walking by going, oh, they're going to take our jobs. And then saying, oh, they're going to, you know, we're not going to have kids anymore. We're just going to have robots running around. Like people are saying this out loud. And I was just like, like, what? like where did that come from? I had somebody say to me, we took the, for digital literacy day, we took the robots to the public library branch near the office. And I had this youngish man, like late twenties, you know, he had a skateboard under his arm and he's like, look at me. He's like, if you were standing here, I'd throw that down the stairs. I was like, wow, there was like so much hostility to this little piece of technology, right? And it really is fear of losing jobs or not getting good quality jobs. And I think it's actually the reverse. There is a chronic staff shortage that we're all hearing about now. If, if you didn't know about it before, certainly COVID has made it really clear that these assisted living facilities are chronically dealing with staff turnover, you know, and people just, they can't afford to pay um, for enough support. So I see these robots as being able to augment staff, um, to be able to, you know, de-escalate when situations are starting to get, um, behaviors starting to, to show up in the home that the, that the robots can be used to help, you know, calm things down. Oh, you know, Mindy has a question. Can you come over here and sit down and, you know, yeah. talk Right, so there's ways that you can have, you know, maybe difficult conversations. I see that in quotes. Those of you who aren't watching this on video, I put my hands up. on the audio air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think uh, 
even with the university ecosystem, when we do, we're working on something with digital twins under the leadership of my supervisor. And uh, so we had a lot of coffee meetups, which is what I keep arranging when, when we could arrange those things. Um, and one of the key, key insights, one of my colleagues, and she's a wonderful uh, computer scientist. And she's like, you know, like how as, um, as machine learning, and not AI, like machine learning, because AI is a very broad term. Like it's really not what whatever people are marketing it as. Takes takes a mainstream. Like you know, for example, when you had computers taking over physical computation, right? They didn't replace. They just fastened the way of life and commerce and things like that. But she said that as this happens, there will be a movement of a lot of younger people who say, "I'm." clean like I'm no tech person like I live like you know like it's almost similar to like when people take alternative lifestyles for farming like you know many younger people go and live on their own farms they grow their own food and that's a fair practice you want to eat healthy so I think you're going to see those kinds of uh, uh, segments of the society right there'll be some who are hybrid there will be some who want complete automation like as much as possible and there'll be some who will be as as whatever natural as possible in quotes. So I think you will see that a lot and we just have to accept and be prepared uh, for those kind of thought processes because this is the evolution. Like Paul, if you look at um, sociology, right? The first was telephone, radio, telephone, these things changed how we basically worked as a society. There's a classic paper of Daniel Bell in the information society. And I keep telling my friends, you know, there's time we sit with sociologist colleagues and write a new paper, research paper called post-information society. Now we are an information society There is, it's done. So what is post? And I was kind of interviewed by somebody. And in my personal opinion, the more I'm free of doing mundane tasks, which a robot is, because they're not doing intellectual tasks, they're doing mundane repetitive tasks the more I have time to self-actualize, right? Like I take time, like I, I can take time and do my meditation. I can take time and do my hobby, which I necessarily didn't have. So for me, if somebody asks me what's next, because I come from a technology world, the next is honestly, there's nothing next, but to work on yourself and to have better relationship because all those running around, which we think the rat race is the norm, is going to be taken over by these guys. And that's great because we're giving them things we don't want to do anyways. Like nobody feels bad, bad about not being able to see the math table anymore, right? So it's the same way you're not going to feel bad about, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't. I just know the table of two or three or you know something, and I hope my thesis committee is not listening <laughs> because I'm supposed to be analytics. But right, you don't feel bad about it. Nobody pressurizes their kids anymore to be good in math because they, they teach them how to use computer. They're teaching them how to use uh, you know nowadays Python and coding and things like that so that they're able to use. But I certainly see the robot as a great ally. It's a great ally in the sense of making interaction, making that next level of interaction possible, right? Like we could have said that we don't want video calls, but you never know when what kind of, when what kind of issues strike. And what's, what's clearly seen in the pandemic, uh, which, which is very unfortunate, but what we've seen is in this world crisis, while a lot of people didn't have access to food and that's still there, a lot of people have chronic loneliness. So guess what is the next trend of the next pandemic? It's already there in front of us. It's social, it's isolation. And you and I and many other companies who come on this podcast are working on the actual 
living parallel pandemic, which everybody's facing and so much so for people who are living because when the penicillin was discovered, it helped increase our lifespan. Now that we are living across generations, you're going to have innovations across generations. So you have to adapt probably by the time I am at the, the age of, you know, becoming a grandmother, probably there'll be different things, which I don't know at this, where I am, there'll be quantum computing, even these computers will be obsolete, right? So there's going to be so much, I don't know, but I'm excited. And, and I don't want to take up all the talking space. <laughs> but uh, so Paul, uh, what do you think uh, we should ask her about maybe advising us? I was going to ask that. What, what advice would you have for a startup like us that is tackling these issues? Well, I think collaboration is, is one thing that I highly recommend and I'm certainly doing that as well. I'm so delighted to receive your invitation. And I think that um, it truly is about, you know, one conversation at a time. So it's a, it, you know, social isolation is a massive uh, societal issue that is not gonna be solved overnight, um, but it's also has many different solutions, right? And I'm gonna challenge you about, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe you don't need to, to learn math anymore. Um, I am married to a math teacher and my son definitely gets his extra math, even though it's not in the curriculum anymore, we definitely are a family that believes in, in learning those things. Because I think that whenever you're learning new technologies, you actually have to validate them against sort of the principles that, that work, right? And so to be able to know that, you know, if, if the computer spits out a number that doesn't make sense mathematically, that you have the wherewithal to say, wait a minute, that's that's not correct. Could you please, you know, go back and fix that algorithm or whatever, right? So I think that, you know, being educated and informed is also part of, of the um, solution that, um, you know, we have people, um, you know, I have a uh, resident who had a brain injury, has recovered from that brain injury, but she's in a situation where she can't um, afford to live anywhere else. And, you know, the robot provides her with access to any number of topics and research because it's like, you know, it's, it's a connection to the internet. She can do anything that she wants with that. Um, a robot or tablet or device. It doesn't have to be the, a robot, obviously. Um, so I think that collaboration is, is one uh, way that, that startups get going. And I think also um, um, continuing to connect with the target audience, right? So um, we may think we have a solution, um, but the, how you get better and better is by making sure that you're meeting a need. And so for me, you know, one of the very first pieces of feedback that I got when I was doing meet and greets, um, and I'm really comfortable sitting this close to the robot and I can see everything on the tablet, but there are some people who weren't feeling that comfortable. So they're like, they want to be further back. And it's just like, it would be helpful if she had a bigger tablet. <laughs> for over a year now, I've been trying to get my hands on this, you know, similar form factor, but with a bigger tablet. So I have one that's uh, coming soon, as, uh, as my uh, supplier tells me. But, um, you know, I think that 3D manufacturing will also help um, in that area that we can actually customize things. So, you know, could we do a tabletop version of this, but with a big tablet on it? There's lots of ideas that are uh, percolating. And then, then again, it's really about finding um, uh, customers who are willing to pay for that solution, right? So um, 
I know you're offering some interesting courses um, on your uh, website, and I would love to collaborate with you and offer a course uh, about robots. So, you know, there are tons of different robot form factors. There will be even more, right? So my plan is not to sell robots, but to lease them because I can get, you know, get a lot more sort of turnover that way. And then you're not committed to this robot. If a brand new model comes out, it's like, you know, people are like, the cell phones like crazy not in our house we don't you know we don't believe in that but the idea of you know you don't need the newest technology all the time but if you could lease it right so it's just like how do you find ways to um you know sort of keep that technology and really really use it to its fullest potential um but the robot can basically work you know probably 20 hours a day um take long to charge it um so i you know fundamentally don't believe that people need their own robots, but they can buy one if they want to. Um, yeah. But then it's what do you do with that technology? And what do you do with the conversations? What do you do with um, the, you know, the webinars or the courses? And it really is to me about building that community and finding ways to connect with people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And married to an introvert. He doesn't need a lot of, you know, conversation and, and you know, <laughs> things I speak too loudly and things like that. It's just like, okay, but you know, it's like there are times when he's comfortable with that and, and times when, you know, when I need quiet time. So there isn't just one solution to social isolation. Um, but, you know, even just, you know, things like reading books and, and um, you know, having dance parties and, you know, just doing things that yeah. are old-fashioned fun, but um, let our bodies moving and as our body, you know, our bodies as your research, I'm sure would tell you, this is like, it's, you know, it's about not just, you know, being, uh, engaging your brain, but also engaging your body, you know, and being able to get, out and get some fresh air and um, do things like that will help solve isolation. So um, hopefully, um, you know, we can get ourselves in front of some of the retirement homes, the leaders in those businesses and have them, you know, pick up our, our, services and our products and help train their staff. Um, yes. That's the biggest opportunity. Yeah, that's how that's how it's going to scale now. That's wonderful. I think digital literacy initially was about computers and now it's going to move towards robots, machine learning. So FYI, we, we're planning to introduce courses on AI, uh, basic AI, computer science. And I've gone ahead and I have put on the website about social robots and I've written for interests you know so I'm getting the interest generated so I just took the cue from our last conversation and I've just gone ahead and put it on the website because you know it's something uh, I think I, I truly believe it's better to have someone who's in the field to teach it I can teach it as a like a professor in making but somebody who works on a daily basis is very different like that's experiential learning right and that's what you want to bring on the table uh, I can go on with the academic side, like, you know, having this improves this and improves that, but, you know, doing the, the, and, and, and I know those things because I have done so many implementation, like I started my career in digital health, right? So it's so exciting to have done with uh, first, like in the first few days of apps, I started there and then telemedicine. So early on in most of the waves that you call, you know, and now when it's going towards more of uh, automation and robots. So I'm so, so happy to be in a career like that where I get to do this. Um, and Paul, what do you think, uh, what was your takeaway from this conversation? So <clears throat> I had the idea about, um, and especially since we're talking to a communications person, uh, mediation. We have a new society 
what are the mechanisms that will mediate between those of us who grew up in a different society and all of these new things. And I think that you have something important. Um, how do we mediate between a person who's isolated and this society or people with whom they could be connected? So I hadn't thought before of putting it on that footing, but I'm thinking that way today. Yeah. One of the things that I have in sort of my product roadmap is the idea of um, having um, robots with the with the developments that are happening in uh, voice uh, voice enabled search and yes. Voice yes. to be able to use the uh, platform to have to train people to have difficult conversations if you're being bullied or if you're um, you know struggling in your marriage or you know try, don't know how to have a conversation about sex with your kids or like whatever like use the robot to practice. Um, so there's, when you talk about mediation, Paul, it sort of brings to mind that idea of, you know, maybe somebody who's, uh, you know, concerned now about even being out in the world with other people could have a conversation with a robot that they wouldn't actually have with another human being. And that would practice, would get them practice and help them, okay, yeah, you know, I can do this and then take baby steps out to the next thing. Exactly. Wonderful. So this was such a great conversation. Thank you, Lee. And thank you, Mindy, for coming on the show. Uh, and Lee, can you tell uh, our listeners your coordinates so that they can look you up and hopefully book you to give a demo? Yes, uh, we can be found on socialrobots.ca is our website. And we're on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and Facebook, Facebook. and Instagram, all the usual spots. So <laughs> Dot robots for Instagram, social underscore robots for Twitter, and um, I think it's Social Robots Canada on uh, the Facebook. But if you, if you check social robots on Facebook, I think that they'll find us there as well. And Mindy has her own page on Facebook, so Mindy St. James is uh, her Facebook page. But I'm I'm struggling to just keep up with all the different. Mm -hmm. platforms other ways of communicating so um, yeah I'm always looking for um, for help so there's Mindy thank you Mindy nice to meet you too yeah she'd love to play the play a game with everybody but I don't think we have time so yeah yeah no so Thank you, Mindy. Thank you so much. We're going to have you again sometime, maybe in a, in another capacity, maybe you know, having some more detailed conversations on cases like issues. So thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Thank you.